Hey, Jack, can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So I know you went to the game. We'll get into it. But what's going on, everyone? Welcome to I'm your host, Tom Natale. You can follow me on Twitter at Tom underscore Natale. And my co-host with you tonight is Jack Brizendine. Jack, you can go ahead and plug your Twitter account, please. My Twitter account is Jack P. Brizendine, capital J, capital P, and capital B. Sure. Awesome. As always, we are doing this for one of the um, local sports website called dmvsportsnetwork.com. And they can be followed on Twitter at dmv underscore sn. They have great daily content up there with all things Redskins, Caps, Nats, Wizards. Uh, they even get into uh, some fantasy sports. Most likely fantasy football would be, um, obviously, this, given this season. And uh, be sure to subscribe to wherever podcasts are available. Let's get right into it. Uh, Jack, you were at the game. Yep, Is that right? It, yes, sir. And it was a pretty interesting, interesting experience because, number one, I have never been in a game where an injury has taken place. It's been that catastrophic and just that sure. gut-wrenching for a fan base. Because as soon mm-hmm. as he went down and he grabbed for that right knee or left knee, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but he, he grabbed for one of his legs. And you just saw it, the whole stadium just sort of took a huge sigh. I was like, well, there it goes. But wow. I was actually kind of shocked because when Colt McCoy came out, there was a huge buzz that immediately came out after people realized that you know, he was going to be leading the team because for whatever mm-hmm. reason, DC fans have a really weird obsession with Colt McCoy and like it when he plays yeah. and he first pass that was for a touchdown that just fueled the fire and people absolutely really excited to root for him. Well, well, Colt played really well and um, you know this and he, as he should because he's been in this offense for I believe now this is his fifth year and I know you said you you mentioned what's so peculiar why. Uh, you know, a, a backup, a seasoned backup quarterback in Colt McCoy, why he's so beloved here. And the only thing I can think of is he beat the Cowboys on Monday Night Football five years ago. So I know yeah. for me, he's always going to be good in my book for that sole purpose. Um, at, at the same time, I thought Colt, all things considered, played pretty well. Uh, if anything, what really surprised me was his mobility, his escapability. I thought he was uh, phenomenal. Um, running as as a runner. Yeah, he had five rushes or five carries for 35 yards, and a lot of them were uh, pretty big runs because I feel mm-hmm. like I know a couple of them were that converted third downs. So he was really showing that he could make really good decisions under pressure, and mm-hmm. it was pretty it was pretty nice to know that you know just because Smith did go down, your season wasn't tanking because sure. he can run the offense and. He's not one of those quarterbacks who's sort of gone for he, – he's been here for a while. So he's mm-hmm. he, he's one of those backups that you can really rely on. And he proved it today because I don't really know any other backup that you can just – other than Nick Foles, I guess, that you can just plug right in and go, he can go to work. And some might argue yeah. it could outplay the starter. Yeah, and, you know, that's something that is going to be much debated for the duration of this uh, season yeah. uh, because – Again, it, you know, I, I had my pod, my other podcast earlier uh, today, and one of my co-hosts, Ian, had a really good comp. He goes, you know, this kind of reminds me of Todd Collins. And if you remember, uh, that was 10 years ago when uh, Jason Campbell went down with an injury when the Redskins were trying to make a playoff run. And Todd Collins, this seasoned backup quarterback, knowing I'm very, very familiar with the offense, led them to four straight wins. And, uh, you know, it's sure there are, I, I could see the, the, that level of um, being able to compare those two situations and it makes total sense. Um, you know, I think what was interesting just to, to, I guess, elaborate more about the Redskins offense with Colt McCoy under center, as opposed to Alex Smith, I thought the offense looked better uh, in I the second that. half. Um, and, you know what I, I felt like, there, there just felt a le- uh, there was a level of comfortability I felt that Colt had on this team and the play calls that Jay was designing for him, and it seems like there's an obvious rapport between those two guys and Jay and, and Colt as there should be since they've been working together for five years. But I thought the play action passes, I liked the play calls, I, I thought it was really, really impressive. 
And um, I thought Jordan Reed had his best game of the season. Trey Quinn, four catches, 49 yards. You know, it was – this isn't the end of the world like a lot of people are treating it. And then again, when you have this, your highest-paid player and your starting quarterback, a guy you, you traded for and has a catastrophic, tra- catastrophic injury such as that, of course you want to panic. Um, I, I feel like the Redskins are in a fortunate position because, you know, there's some backup quarterbacks out there that, you know, if they have to play, their, their season's done for. And uh, I don't consider that to be um, necessarily an, an end-all, be-all for the Redskins now. Well, what really excited me was the fact that this team, up until this week, hadn't experienced a lead change. They hadn't had to come back. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't had to. Mm-hmm. They'd just been able to hold leads. But sure. I think the fact that your quarterback goes down, and not mm-hmm. only are you able to still thrive under your backup, but you were able to catch up and go and overcome adversity. I think it really mm-hmm. just showed that this team is should be taken seriously, and they really do have an opportunity to probably make the playoffs and maybe win a game or two. Yeah, you know, it was this was definitely a, a, a loss we're not used to from the, this season standpoint because our other um, <clears throat> our other three losses were complete blowouts. This was the first competitive loss that we've had. And, uh, you know, a game that came down to the final play. And uh, at the same time, you got to give some credit to Houston. I mean, they've won seven straight games, I believe, six yeah. or seven straight games. So, I mean, they are going to be playing – uh, late into the season and going to be playing playoff football as they should be. Uh, at the same time, I, I think there's a lot of good to come away from this game. And I'll, I'll get into the bad, um, you know, starting from a, a positive and negative standpoint. Uh, it was another bend, don't break type of uh, defense. But, I mean, we continue to generate turnovers. And it's, I mean, uh, the two interceptions. Preston Smith yep. had that fantastic play. Mason Foster had an interception and a fumble recovery. Uh, it feels like the there's some I wouldn't say headhunters, but this is a very opportunistic defense in terms of generating those turnovers, and it's working. Well, um, I think. Uh, I mean, you take that Alex Smith pick six away. Yeah. You held the you held the Houston Texans to excuse me a hiccup to 16 points. That's sign me up. Sounds great. Yeah, I think one of the things that was that really made me feel better about the defense was over these last couple of weeks, and I've pointed out in previous podcasts, the defense has been generating pressure, just the quarterbacks haven't really been shaken by it. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, this might work when you're doing it against quarterbacks like Matt Ryan and, you know, like these veteran quarterbacks that have seen this <clears> all their <throat> career, they can fight through it and just sort of not get mentally shaken. But when they did it against, you know, a young Deshaun Watson, he made mistakes and he mm-hmm. was forced to force the ball in situations I don't think he wanted to go to. And that results in picks and results in turnovers. So I think that that's – the bottom line is I think their defense has performed well the whole year. I just mm-hmm. think depending on the experience of the quarterback really shows how the other team is going to handle, I guess, the defense. And mm-hmm. I think that the defense showed that when they do play – or offenses that aren't as experienced, they will make them make mistakes, and that helps the offense out on the Redskins in getting good field position like the Preston Smith pick. Because, I mean, they were right in the red zone. They started out right there, and I can only imagine how nice that was for Colt McCoy to hop right in the mm-hmm. game and have his first play be in the red zone. Absolutely. And I thought the really credit to the defensive coaching staff because, you know, Deshaun Watson's ability, maybe his best ability is his athleticism, his escape ability, if you will. And uh, they kept him in the pocket. Yep. I mean, he had th- three ca- three rushes for seven yards. I mean, it was not him making all kinds of these highlight style plays like he was last year. And now I know he's not the same quarterback because of that torn ACL. But I mean, six for twenty, sixteen for twenty-four, two hundred eight yards. I thought, really, for the most part, again, it wasn't the defense that lost us this game. It was. Um, uh, a variety of things uh, that pick six by um, that Alex threw in the end zone, which was a clear um, miscommunication between him and Jordan Reed. Yeah, that, that definitely, yeah. that, that was the killer of the game. I mean, sure. You look at it, you're at the potentially scoring three or seven points, most mm-hmm. likely seven based on how they were yep. driving. And that's a 14 point swing when you throw a pick six there. And you also add yeah. on the fact that Houston receives a second half kickoff. 
I, sure. it just it felt like a game that was going to go right out of hand. But luckily, they kept yeah. themselves in it. They they did. I thought, especially like in that first quarter, I'm like, oh, here, here we go again. And you know, I thought that that pick six that Alex threw was kind of emblematic of what's it what it's been so far um, with this offense is that there is just something missing, uh, yep. whether that's chemistry, you know, execution, ju- just something. That, I don't know what it is specifically, but um, I, I felt like Jordan Reed was in the right position. He if him and Alex were on the same page, that's an easy touchdown. But, uh, I mean, I don't know who is at fault directly for it. Of course, it's going to show up on, uh, under Alex Smith's statistics. But um, that was just an absolute killer. Absolute killer. Yeah, I think – I mean, I think you can argue if they do score there, I believe they, they, they probably could have just kept driving. Because I think mm-hmm. they had a lot of momentum at that point, And I really think that they could have caught fire and just ran with it. Because mm-hmm. at that point, Deshaun Watson – I don't think he was going to – I mean, he finished the day with a 72.9 passer rating. He wasn't having the best day. And he got mm-hmm. sacked a couple of times, three for 27 yards. So, I th- I don't think Deshaun Watson was going to claw you back into a game. I know he did get them down the field and mm-hmm. score to take the lead back, but I, I just felt like if you were able to come out and get a big lead on this team, mm-hmm. because it is a younger team – I felt like they would have been able to do that. And that's where that big pick six killed you because that was your point where you could have just gotten momentum and really that, – that would have really set them over the top, I think. And that's why I think mm-hmm. that pick six probably lost in the game. Yeah, yeah, you could, you could say that. Well, there's an, another – a few other things that I can point to in terms of the loss. And, you know, this is the second time out of three weeks that – we're talking about the referees, and I know you—you yes. you were at the game, so you—I'm uh, assuming you saw some of these highlights. But um, I cannot get that phantom holding uh, defensive holding call against Josh Norman. Um, for one, it wasn't to hold, and two, it was about as ticky tack as it comes, and it completely changed the output uh, outcome of the game, in my opinion. Uh, and Josh has every right to be beside himself as, as he was on the field during that play. Uh, to me, I, with referees, I, they have to make these judgment calls on every single play, and I can't imagine how challenging that is. Yep. And I always like to attribute it to baseball. And what I mean by that, so let's say you have a strike zone, and the umpire is calling outside pitches strikes all game. And you know what? If he's going to call an outside uh, pitch outside of the strike zone, a strike, make sure he does it for both teams. And it's, it could be wrong, but, I mean, if he's being fair in that regard, okay. And the point I'm trying to make is, so there was a ticky-tack call made against Josh Norman at the end of, the, at the end of today's game. Um, when the Redskins got the ball back, there was a, uh, a 50-50 ball thrown up to Josh Doxon. Yeah. And it looked like a suspect play. Uh, it looked like uh, the Houston safety got there a tad bit early. It looked like the corner covering Josh was kind of draped all over his arms, um, which we've seen penalties be thrown for much, much, much less. Yeah. At the same time, if you're going to call ticky-tack BS against us, then make sure the same thing applies. And that is what I can't get over. And, you know, that very well could – that could absolutely cost us, cost us today's game and, and could who knows where it's going to take us for the rest of this season um, because, you know, now we have to play for first place next week where if we won today, we would still be in sole position. So uh, I thought it was just absolutely an atrocious um, level of officiating um, in those two consecutive possessions, and uh, I'm just pissed. Yeah, I felt – I felt like there were definitely a lot of missed calls. I saw a couple of, especially on a lot of the toss plays that Houston mm-hmm. ran, because I, from what I saw today, they really liked those those outside runs. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there were a lot of missed calls. But the thing with refs with me is I'm a pretty with, – when it comes to refs, I don't really get that angry about them. I figure, you know, we've had games where we've – Did I lose? Out by oh. the refs. It happens. It happens yeah. throughout the year. So I typically don't get that angry about it. I mean – some days are on your side, some days are not. Like, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. 
But today, I just felt like exactly what you said. I don't mind if – typically, refs have either, like you said, they're either very ticky-tacky and they're very particular with how they want the football to be played, especially on these passing plays and these pass interference plays. Mm-hmm. But when you call something like you called on Josh Orman where he barely touched him mm-hmm. and then go out on the next drive mm-hmm. and have DB draped all over Josh Oxen and have a guy fly in over him and have him being tackled before the ball even gets five feet within his range yep. and you just let it slide, I just I just want to know the justification behind that. I really mm-hmm. don't. It, it just leaves you sort of with no closure on the game because I feel like a lot of people were like, why is – McCoy throwing that, we wouldn't have had time even if Doxon caught it. But I think it was a very veteran savvy move because I think he was banking on the pass interference, which he should have. It looks like a blatant pass interference call, but mm-hmm. they just didn't call it. Yeah, yeah. It's and it, you know, it's something that was discussed, you know, during it and after. And, you know, what's really frustrating is and the, it, I remember Anthony Rendon of the Nationals brought this up. Um, I know we're relaying this to baseball again. And I remember the, the, the anecdote I want to use is um, Anthony Rendon earlier this season was inexplicably thrown out of a game by an umpire who just was making it about himself. And Rendon was very poignant in what he said following that. And he goes, you know, if I make a mistake or one of my teammates messes up and does this, does that, they get demoted. They get cut. They get sent down to the minor leagues. And the same thing can be a, a applied in football, especially football that – you know, if you don't do yep. your job to that level or if something goes wrong, your job is on the line where referees have they don't have anyone to answer to. So those guys that made those horrible calls today or lack thereof, where's their incentive? They don't have to worry about that. They're not going to yeah, get demoted. They're not going to get fired. Yeah, it, and it's frustrating because – only recently did they start hiring full-time officials in the NFL. So mm-hmm. it just shows how how terribly they handle this because I don't think they take officiating seriously. And when it costs when it costs you like ga- games like this where it's it really does come down to the final couple plays and officiating is really important. Mm-hmm. It just shows. I think I think the Reds definitely the pick six <laughs> lost at the game, but I think that was the calls at the end or the missed call at the end mm-hmm. was what completely was – that was the nail on the coffin. That's just what finished us. And it just – that's frustrating when you have something that's out of your hands that finishes the game for you. I, I agree. And, um, you know, it just took away from what was a really entertaining game and just had everything. I mean, we had this Joe Theismann-esque injury. Yep. We had um, a 101-yard pick six. We had a backup quarterback – you know, ducking J.J. Watt or Jadeveon Clowney, whoever it was, and running for a first down. I mean, there was – it was about as entertaining as it, as it could get. And just to come down to some remedial task, such – I wouldn't say remedial, but just some it, – it, no one goes to – you didn't go to that game today, Jack, to watch the referees. And yeah. not that I'm accusing the referees of making it about themselves, but um, I, I just I, – I just don't see the – uh, I guess it would be transparency would be the correct word. Or, I'm sorry, consistency. And I thought today's calls at the end of the game lack that consistency. And it is definitely something that uh, maybe the league will be reaching out to Jay and the front office saying, you know what, that was, that was our bad. Um, so that's frustrating. But um, I'm glad that you – glad that we're talking right now, and I'm glad you went to the game because, as we talked about last week, the – it was talked about pretty much all week about the fan experience at FedEx Field and the players coming out and saying that they prefer to play on the road, so on and so forth. So all of that considered, why don't you tell me about what the experience was like at today's game, please? It was incredible. I have uh-huh. never been in an atmosphere at FedEx like that. Wow. Because it, like, it wasn't sold out. I mean, I saw lots, like hundreds of empty seats. And it kind of filled out as the – I'd say around nine minutes-ish left in the first quarter. That's when it started to fill out. Like the first couple mm-hmm. minutes of the game, it was people were still getting their bearings and getting their seats. But it was really loud. And I think one of the things at the beginning that really got people excited was, as you know, this week was homecoming week. And when they were introducing the players, 
Mark Rippon had a, was representing the class of the 80s. And mm-hmm. he basically, in his little spiel, he said, you know, today let's make the crowd sound like RFK. Like, let's make That's it, awesome. Let's make it really, let's get it really loud in here. And mm-hmm. every time that there was, and there was a lot to get excited about because when, when momentum shifted in that game, you could feel it. And, I mean, there were audible cheers for not only the team, but individual players. I mean, I believe there were a couple AP ch- chants when he would mm-hmm. score the multiple times that he did today. And I, I just think there, it was a very immersive uh, atmosphere to be involved in. And it felt mm-hmm. like, it felt like you were part of the game, which I haven't really ever felt at FedEx Field. I've been to a handful of games. I've just that atmosphere was unlike anyone I had ever been to. So they definitely delivered. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. So I mean, yeah. it sounded like I mean it wasn't a packed house, but it was a, a loud one. So and um, you know a number of um, Redskins players came out afterwards on Twitter and, and via the media. Just you know, thanks for coming. That was great, and. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because, you know, you're, you're in first place and, you know, those players are busting their ass every week to play for them and what they're representing. So I can certainly understand why they want some more support. Uh, at the same time, I feel like there's just been, the conversation has officially started with the, um, discord between the media in this franchise and the discord between its fans and uh, the front office and ownership. And it, by everything I've, I've read, I've listened to, I've heard, it sounds like um, the man really in charge of doing this, Brian LaFamina, sounds like a brush of, uh, fresh, I'm sorry, breath of fresh air, bit of a tongue twister. And um, I appreciate him being candid, him being forthright, and just, you know, not essentially what would be the way um, manipulating the fan base, like what's been done in the past um, to me, it, it's still not enough. Um, I, I want to hear it from the top dog himself. I want to hear from Snyder and I, I want some kind of accountability for what's happened in the past. And just an acknowledgement that we need to do better. And I know he's empowering the people to do that, but I, I still want to hear it from him. And, you know, maybe I'm asking for too much, but that's where I stand. And I feel like I'm not alone. I feel like there's a number of Redskins fans that still feel the same way. No, but you're, you're right. He is a breath of fresh air. Actually, one of my buddies, uh, he got tickets, really, really nice tickets right behind the Washington sideline. And mm-hmm. Brian LaFamina, I don't know if he was patrolling the sidelines, like welcoming fans, but he said he high-fived them for the game, which I thought was pretty neat because that's mm-hmm. not something that you would see in years past, just – just from a perspective of, you know, fans of business operations, because sure. I, I feel like, like you said, that he's being a little more upfront. He's saying what's wrong. And it just, I, I don't know. I feel like the experience definitely at FedEx has gotten better as mm-hmm. it's gotten to a point where it's probably going to get as good as it can be. I mean, I like, sure. I always appreciate the little game favors today. They had a little beaded necklace with the Bud Light Redskins thing. It was, it was cool. a nice little gesture. I liked it, but yeah, definitely. I think he's done a great job, but I, I do agree with what you say. I think you do need to hear it. I think, I think they just need to swallow their pride up there with mm-hmm. Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder and just yep. maybe, maybe just say, you know, we screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. I, to be honest, if they're just, if they're honest, I'd, I, I would really appreciate it. Um, it would mean a lot. I feel like to all Redskins fans, because you know, it, it was such a, it's such a weird dichotomy being a Redskins fan. And the reason why is that I love this team I my entire life. I'm, I'm going to love this team for as long as I live. I'm so emotionally attached to them. And it's because my heart's in, in them. It's, you know, I, I think my first outfit out of the womb was a Redskins jersey. And, you know, it's a regional fan base. I mean, you have all of Virginia, you have half of Maryland, you have the district, you have little pockets of North Carolina. And I remember when I was writing, I, I there were Redskins fans in Australia and Canada and all over the place. And oh, yeah. it's, it's truly, I mean, we're the third most profitable franchise in the, um, in the league for a reason, yet we can't sell out our own stadium. And I really feel like that is just that that is such the that is the weird conundrum that is this fan base because there's such a level of loyalty that should be admired 
And I feel like our, our fandom should be admired because we've been so irrelevant for so long. Um, you know, we're going on basically uh, 25 years without being, you know, a contender. Um, there hasn't been one 11 win plus 11 or more 11 plus win season in 25 years. There have been what we've won one playoff game in, let's see the last one in 2006. So you were a baby, I think, yes, um, sir. you know, it, it's, we, we have had very, very, very minimal level of success and yet we still have one of the most profitable franchises and loyal fan bases out there. And I think that speaks to uh, the loyalty that is this fan base. And to me, I am not going, I shouldn't be judged, nor should any other fan if they don't want to go to that stadium. Well, the thing that really sticks out to me is there's nothing to do up there. There's no, there's yeah. nothing to do before the game. I mean, there's a, yeah. there's a Buffalo Wild Wings that's, within a mile of the stadium, mile or two of the mm-hmm. stadium. But other than that, I mean, there's basically, when you pull up to FedEx, there's a church. And then mm-hmm. from what I could tell today, there was a used car lot that I had never seen there, but it was there because I had never entered from that side. But I sure. mean, what are you going to do with those two places? I mean, they, they just, I mean, you look at. God, how long does it take you to get there from Richmond too? It's got to take over two hours. It was two and a half hours with traffic. So Whew. it was, that. that's also one of the things that, that factors in is it's it's yeah. not in the ideal location but yeah i just think i was watching the um because we stopped to eat on our way home and we were watching the new orleans philly game that was mm-hmm. fantastic by the way it helped a little bit uh yep. cope with the loss but they zoomed True. out of the out of they zoomed out and showed the air view of the stadium in new orleans and you just saw this beautiful city that surrounded the stadium, and it just looks like, wow, this would be such a great experience to go to yeah. the stadium, you know, go somewhere before, hang out, go in yep. after the game, go celebrate after, like, you know, a restaurant or something. But, like, at FedEx, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing around it. So mm-hmm. I can understand why people don't want to trek on out there 30 minutes, most likely out of their way or longer, mm-hmm. and just not have anything there. And yeah, traffic. and, you know, I, I will – just absolutely eviscerate Daniel Snyder in every opportunity that I have. But I mean, this is something that was beyond his control. Um, you know, it was Jack Kent Cook, the previous owner, was the one that um, decided to put the stadium in Prince George's County, Maryland. And, uh, you know, t- typically when you are in a major metropolitan city, we're one of 12 um, national cities that have all four um, major sports teams. And, you know, you have. <clears throat> you know, DC is a strange city because it's very small. So yeah. logistically, it would be very, very hard to put a football stadium, which is which is also the largest. But you know, when you go to a city like Baltimore or Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, you, their their stadiums are right next to each other. There's restaurants, there's bars, there's things to do, and um, you know, those factors, those just um, geographical factors, facts that are included with FedEx makes it just even more less attractive yeah i'm i'm on the side that would love for them to move to richmond i know it's not going to happen because that no. makes no logical sense for them but nope. i i hope they keep training camp here because i love it. it's closest thing oh i'm, I'm sure 20 minutes yeah, was yeah. my house i was able yeah. to go like every day this year it's kind of nice yeah. i think that they just moved to northern virginia somewhere mm-hmm. in that like you know ashburn somewhere over there that would make a lot of sense because a lot of their players live in Virginia. Most a lot of them the fans, do. I mean, Virginia is probably the biggest. The DMV area and the capital are probably, and like Northern Virginia, are probably the biggest spots for like Redskins fans as a whole. Yeah. So yeah. I definitely think that if you build it there, it's basically the same distance for everyone. So I mm-hmm. feel like a lot more people will be a little more less apprehensive, I, I should say. To yeah, to well, I, I would say ideally it's in D.C. And just because it's the Washington yeah. Redskins yeah. and, um, you know, Washington, D.C. has gentrified so substantially over the past 10 years. It's one of the, you know, the most coming of age cities uh, as of recently. And it's just, you know, growing up just right on the border of of the district. And, you know, my before uh, before D.C. It was Italy for my family. We've been here uh, quite some time. So, you know, it's, it's really cool. Um, 
to see, you know, outside of the Nat Stadium, the Wizards and Caps uh, Arena. It's some of the most fun places to go and with friends, family, so on and so forth. So in, yeah. in an ideal situation, um, the stadium would be in D.C., but uh, just logistically, I, I don't know how that would happen. Um, in addition to that, there's just not a lot of economic benefit to a football stadium because they're open, what, 10 days out of the year? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just at least just for football, whereas, you know, with basketball, hockey, baseball, I mean, they're hosting, you know, like yeah. game after game after game after game after game, so on and so forth. So um, anyways, so, you know, we're here on the 30 minute mark. You were at the game. Where were you? Um, where were you guys sitting? Well, um, we were sitting because I volunteered at training camp this year. I was an ambassador. So one of the <laughs> incentives that we got were tickets and you could pick three games or one of three games. You could pick the Panthers, Falcons, or Texans game. Mm-hmm. And I figured I'd just go to the Texans game and be nice. Thanksgiving's coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I went to – they gave me the tickets, and I thought they were going to be, you know, nosebleed up their mm-hmm. seats. Like, I, I wasn't expecting much. They were just tickets that they were giving us. But they actually gave us tickets that were relatively close to where my dad's season tickets are. And they're, <laughs> I mean, they're not the best. They're not like the seats, but they're like, you know, I could see the field visibly, and I wasn't – you know, so high that I cool. an airplane hit me. But so it was it was really nice. We were in a section where we were basically in the I guess from the television view, we were up in the top left of the screen. Mm-hmm. So we that pick six went right in our direction. And it was just oh, man. frustrating. <laughs> gotcha. It, it was nice. Yeah. OK. That's where we OK. Did you tailgate a little bit? Yep. We actually did because the nice thing was the. Nice little added bonus they gave us was a parking pass, so we didn't have to drop forty dollars for that. So you mean the thing that they charge also fifty dollars, which rubs everyone the wrong way, as it should, and it pisses me off just thinking about it. Not to mention charging for training camp. Uh, Anyways, again, like I said, I could go on that. Uh, So um, you you mentioned so you being at the game, and when Alex uh, got hurt, you said you you just feel everyone just in that stadium just go, oh oh my god. Based off of what you described, yeah. And, um, I mean, could you tell the severity of it right away? I mean, he, as soon as you saw it, he just laid straight Mm -hmm. down and just Mm -hmm. threw his helmet. So you knew, you knew it was either, I was hoping it would just be something, maybe he's out for a game or something. Sure. But then then everyone just sort of, I don't think, I think everyone was sort of on edge when they saw that. And then once the Mm -hmm. cart came out, everyone's like, Oh shoot! Yeah, that so might be serious. You you couldn't really tell um, on on TV, but where really the the tell the tell all was Alex, and you could see his reaction like, yep. "Oh my god, I am so screwed." And um, you know, this is so. It, I know the report came out; he broke his tibia and fibula, I believe. Yeah, and so this is um, he's going under immediate surgery, and this is uh, an injury that you know, could sideline him for a really, really long time. And so, uh, you know, I'm not even sure where this puts us. Not that the Redskins should be looking, you know, they're in playoff contention at the moment. Yep. They shouldn't be looking anything really past uh, the 2018-19 season. Uh, that said, now there's only one quarterback on the roster. Yeah. So it's been reported that uh, a few quarterbacks – are coming in tomorrow to work out. Um, EJ Manuel from a first round pick. Um, he's picked by Buffalo out of Florida State. Uh, then you have Mark Sanchez, who is, I would say, more infamous than anything. Yeah. And uh, TJ Yates, who actually used to play for Tech, uh, Houston. Yeah. And uh, so it was. Uh, l- let me start off and say um, it would in gift form. Uh, Mark Sanchez, that's going to be a no for me. Yes. So let's, let's not do that. Um, I would say the same applies to TJ Yates. I, I'm good. Um, I, I like, I actually brought this up in my other podcast. I, I like a potential EJ manual signing. And the reason why I do is because this was a former first round pick. So clearly there is an upside during he was a top, yeah. I believe top 15 pick. Um, two, I, I, he actually, EJ Manuel himself tweeted out, I, I believe it was last week or maybe the week before he put up his statistics through X amount of games 
and Dak Prescott statistics through X amount of games, and it was identical. And, and then he posted, he's like, why am I out of a job? This doesn't make sense. So, you know, not to mention how many quarterbacks have succeeded in Buffalo since Jim Kelly. And, yeah, yeah so he was certainly never in a position to succeed to begin with. Um, furthermore, I, I feel like E.J. Manuel is a good athlete. Um, I, I feel Jay Gruden's offense is best when you have a quarterback is not only decisive, but they can manipulate the pocket, um, be a little bit mobile out there, uh, utilize play action, things like that. So I, I feel like E.J. Manuel would be a good fit. Um, at the same time, anytime a quarterback goes down with an injury, you know, the first person is brought up every single time. And that would be Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I believe I one source Instagram uh, Redskins today said, I, I don't know how credible the, the source is, but they said that the Redskins at this time weren't interested in him. Although he, I mean, you, you never know. He could pop up any second sure. come in for a workout. I mean, I don't really, I, I would rather pick someone else just because I feel like the state of the team right now mm-hmm. is so fragile after going through this catastrophic loss of your starting quarterback that I don't mm-hmm. know if they'd be able to handle all the media mm-hmm. media pressure from that. I just sure. don't. I just think that ideally, Colt McCoy, knock on wood, doesn't get hurt for the rest of the year. So whoever you have as backup just stays backup, yep. and they let him go at the end of the year. So I just think I, I think he goes to get Manuel to be honest, because Mark Sanchez, I, I that he shouldn't even be a thought. Yeah, and then Yates, he's he's just old old news, I guess. I mean, yeah. I, I just think EJ Manuel is a safe safe option. I think he would just be under he'd be a fine. I would be I would consider an off the field W if they they signed EJ <laughs> Manuel to be nice nice pull. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think EJ Manuel would be. Uh, that's what I, that was my first thought. Um, just to to touch on the Kaepernick thing. Um, yep. Let me just, I know we haven't gotten into politics, nor will we. Uh, yep. I'll say this. It, it, it's a travesty that he's not, not in the NFL. There's a number of quarterbacks that are inferior to him. Um, at the same time, oh, Kirk Cousins just threw a really bad interception. Um, ooh, a pick six. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that was bad. I'm, I'm multitasking here. Um, but anyways, so I'll, I'll say this about uh, Kaepernick. He, he's, he should be in the NFL. He's, a, I, I think... Not saying that he should be a starter, but um, clearly with his skill set, there should be some room for him in this league. Um, At the same time, it would be this guy's now over two years removed from playing, from being a professional quarterback. And furthermore, you know, I I just – and this really isn't an indictment on him, but it would just be an absolute circus if he came here. And I, I don't mean that in a disrespectful manner. I, I, I mean that yeah. just the, the media scrum and, yeah. and um, not to mention, you know, someone, one of his biggest detractors being our own president um, would certainly be vocal about, uh, you know, a quarterback in the nation's capital at the same time. So, um, you know, all of that considered, uh, would Colin, should Colin Kaepernick be considered from a, just a, the his own ability standpoint absolutely um not to mention i feel like he would succeed in this offense uh but i think you and i can both agree that um the redskins won't take a gamble on that, a, a substantial one like that not to mention um yeah. snyder being a contributor to um uh donald trump and the republican party so yep yeah i would like that, that. I mean, you never know. I mean, Doug Doug brought in Adrian Peterson under, uh, without, I guess Snyder's mm-hmm. approval. So you know, he could throw a, a fast or a wild card in there and just completely, mm-hmm. completely just I don't know. It it's a really weird situation, and mm-hmm. I think if if it were me, I'd say just go with the safe route and just say EJ Manuel, just so just so the team can just focus on winning football games. And yep. There's nothing that I just feel like that would be a lot of a lot of pressure on the team as far as, I don't know. I just, I, I, I would go with EJ Manuel. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that would be the safer, um, yeah. safer pick too. So, um, man, now Kirk is getting eat Twitter. Ooh, that's not good. 
Oops. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Anyways, so that's where we stand. I'm assuming one of those quarterbacks will be signed on Monday, and we got a game here on Thursday. So, uh, real quick, uh, Dallas is coming off consecutive victories. Thanks a lot, Atlanta. We really appreciate it. Two really impressive victories over Philadelphia and now the Falcons. Um, this game would determine who is in first place, or at least would be tied in first place. Uh, we're going to be in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day on a short week. I would hope that we get Trent Williams back. Um, yeah. But I would say the player that we are missing the most is Quentin Dunbar, where we're really struggling. Yeah. Um, and with Greg Stroman and Fabian Moreau and Danny Johnson and, and nothing against those guys, but just Quentin Dunbar is just a far superior uh, cornerback to them. Uh, it was even argued, and I agree, that prior to Dunbar's injury, he was playing at a higher level than Josh Norman. Um, yeah, I did. Yeah, that injury so, hurt. Yeah, so I, I really hope that, you know, one of those guys, some of those guys can come back. I would assume Trent's going to be back soon. Same with Dunbar. Um, it sounds like Chris Thompson and uh, Jameson Crowder just can't figure it out, unfortunately. I hope that will change. Uh, although I, I think Trey Quinn really, really was impressive today. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, this is one of the bigger games that we've, we're not used to playing such a meaningful game around Thanksgiving, but here we are um, playing on Thanksgiving day. Now also for the third year in a row, I can't stand it. I hate it. <laughs> and, and just to explain why I hate the Redskins to play on Thanksgiving, because one Thanksgiving is a holiday. It should be enjoyed with friends and family and food and booze and whatever. Um, and if the Redskins lose the holidays ruined. let's just state that too. Um, you know, I, I don't want my family to see that side of me during the Redskins <laughs> Cowboys game. I am um, almost have a homicidal rage during it. No, I'm kidding, kind of. So, um, you know, I, I have a routine and them playing on Thanksgiving, I, I, I'm not wearing my respective jersey. I'm not eating the correct food. I'm not sitting in the right spot. It's just, it, it's just all very, very uncomfortable and I don't like it. What say, what say you, Jack? Well, we actually went to the game last year on Thanksgiving, which is an oh, interesting cool. experience because, mm -hmm. I mean, anytime your team that isn't Detroit or Dallas and your team plays on Thanksgiving, it's pretty it's pretty unique. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of like it. I mean, it depends on where we are. I, I guess if we're with family, I I don't know. I, I like being able <laughs> to sit down and just watch it and just focus. I, I I don't really like outside of my immediate family. I don't really like watching that many games. People like I, I don't mind going to. I don't know. I like. I kind of like it on Thanksgiving because I'm off from school, so I get to. You know, if it is bad, I I've got the next day off, so I can just recoup and just sort of chillax. But uh, sure. I mean, I'm I I I enjoy them, of course, just because. I don't know. I just like them. I like the holiday matchups. So wait, and just and furthermore, just to expand on this, um, any game on national television, I don't want at all. I don't want that. I want to be on Sundays at one o'clock oh, yeah. or four o'clock. I don't want the rest of the nation to to watch us because we typically embarrass ourselves. Just look at our record on Monday Night Football, for an example. Um, no, thank you. All of this is, um, yeah, uh, it's it's not for me. Well, I anyways, to... now that I'm now that I'm done making it about myself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we we this is a heck of a matchup uh, this coming Thursday night, and uh, you know Colt McCoy's first game starting in, in years. I can't remember the last time he started. I guess it was what five years ago. Um, oh, uh, I believe it was twenty fourteen. I think yeah, his last start was at Dallas, and that was mm -hmm. when he won overtime on Monday. Wow. In a long time since. Yep. I, I saved that sports page from the Washington Post the next day. I still have it, and I'm going to keep it. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, in, in terms of I, I would say the recipe in terms of beating the Cowboys would be similar to what we did to them last month where we just contained Zeke and just dared uh, Dak Prescott to, to beat us. Now, the Cowboys have gotten a little bit better. Amari Cooper is actually for as much um, – uh, as much vitriol as that trade was a first round pick for uh, Amari Cooper, their, their offense certainly looks to be substantially better um, uh, with him. So, you know, this team 
isn't just centered around Ezekiel Elliott anymore. And Dak Prescott's looked actually really, really good over the past couple of weeks. So this would have to be more of a combined effort as opposed to a month ago. Yeah, and I think you, you hit it spot on with how we want to stop him. I mean, you just got to make sure Zeke doesn't eat. He just goes hungry for the game. And mm-hmm. I think they're, the Cowboys, if you really look at them and evaluate them top to bottom, they're very similar as far as how their team's built to the Redskins. They don't really have a super uber-talented offense. Mm-hmm. And they sort of just win games by playing pretty good defense and running the ball. So yeah. I think if you can just stop Zeke and, like you said, force Dak to throw Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that this is a winnable game. It would be really nice to bounce back from this loss. But, sure. <clears throat> excuse me. I think one of the things that <clears> – oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, you're good. I, I think one of the things that is going to be a big factor in this game is the fact that we do have a different O-line than the last time that we played them. And the Dallas mm-hmm. uh, fr- uh, front seven is pretty – it's pretty nice with Van Der Esch and then DeMarcus. Oh, Williams yeah. They're – those – they struck gold with Van Der Esch, and it really, really bothers me. Yeah, I think um, it, inf- it infuriates me. <laughs> I think if you can stop those guys with the O line you have now, you could, uh, you can, you can survive. But that mm-hmm. that'll be a definitely a crucial thing heading into the game. Absolutely. Um, so, oh, it scares me. And as far as what I'd like to see on the offensive side of the ball, and I, like I said, I thought Jordan Reed had his best game of the season. And, you know, I, I would want that to continue because he's our best, best threat in terms of a pass catcher. Um, we are also now on our, what is this, our second consecutive game, our you know, third consecutive game where AP is basically a non-factor. I mean, I know he scored two touchdowns today, but he was held under four yards per carry. Um, I feel like defenses are starting to adjust properly. And so we're going to have to make plays in other ways. So whether that was Colt McCoy running for 35 yards today or, um, you know, getting a, a nice off- a defensive pass interference call from the referees that didn't happen, something like that, um, you know, uh, so- someone's going to have to make a play uh, sooner or later other than Adrian Peterson. Yeah, and there were a lot of drop picks on the defense. I really think if they caught everything that, 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 was, that they should have caught, I think mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson might have thrown four picks today and they probably would yeah. have ran away with the game. So there were things that – Definitely, they could have done better, which I think if they do that better, they can survive without Adrian Peterson carrying them. Because for the last couple of weeks, especially in the Tampa Bay game, I believe mm-hmm. Peterson only had like 68 yards, and they, they pretty much flat out beat the Buccaneers. It wasn't really that much of a competitive game, mm-hmm. or it was until the fourth quarter. So I think that they can win without him. I I sort of agree with your stance that maybe defenses are adjusting to him. I think it's – I think he's definitely hurt from the offensive line sort of being nicked up a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think the Trent, Trent coming back will definitely help just sure. because, and I, I really think that what you want, what you could do is potentially depending on how Cooper plays to start off the mm-hmm. game on Thursday, I think maybe move in to guard because I just think that that would be such a beastly combination on the left side. And plus they played next to each other. So I, I think that. On paper, you're absolutely right. But for some reason, um, Ty Inseki's only good at playing at one one place on the offensive line, and that's left tackle. He's yep. not good as a right tackle, and he has very um, little experience at left guard. I think there was a game last year where Trent played left guard and Inseki yes, played left yes. tackle. That's now, it's I'm, it's almost it almost kind of reminds me of basketball. You know, it, I feel like the NBA is going away from um, just the standard positions, and they're just putting their best five on the court at times. And, you know, Ty Insecki one of our top five offensive linemen. Yeah. But where do you fit him in? Because Trent Williams is arguably the best left tackle in football. So, you know, in an ideal situation on paper, absolutely. I would say move Insecki to guard. But um, I, I just – I'm not sure if the coaching staff is comfortable with that. I don't know if he's comfortable with it. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I mean – it definitely is an interesting situation because, mm-hmm. I mean, how you think, how could you not, like you said, start Trent, uh, are you with the best left tackle in football at his natural position? But then you're like, Nseki can't play guard. He should play left tackle and Trent should play guard. Mm-hmm. But I I think if once they get Trent back, I think they could survive actually with Cooper and Bergstrom on the guard positions because 
I really think Rulia is pretty good. I I think absolutely. I think he's definitely definitely gonna be. I I don't think he's gonna develop into like Brandon Scherf. But hey, for a six round pick hard. from Wyoming, yeah, yeah. I mean they they found a guy that they can rely on pencil in as a starter at either at multiple positions. I mean that is a about as good of a scenario as it, as you can come up with from a sixth round pick, uh, a relative no name for that matter. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, I'm not sure, you know, that idea of playing Ty and Secchi at left guard, uh, I'm not sure in addition to that playing on such a short week is going to change. Um, mm-hmm. That opinion may be the week following where they, you know, that Thursday night football afterwards is almost, you get like a mid bye week almost. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see what the coaching staff will do. Obviously, a lot will be dependent on health. So, um, so anyways, Jack, what is your prediction? Can I get a – who's going to win on Thursday? Mm. I don't know. Part of me really thinks that, you know, it's going to be one of those typical games. Jason Garrett, you know, claps his hands. <laughs> the clapper. Yeah. And we're going to – I really want to pick us to win. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to do that. I'm going to say 20 to 13 Redskins. 2013 Redskins. Okay. So I, I always write just hail instead of Redskins. Um, I, could, I, I just feel like right now with how Dallas is playing, in addition to that, I, I feel like we're a, a very comparable team in terms of talent, skill set, yeah. coaching staff. And we've beat them once. And, you know, I could – these two, they we should. I mean, splitting with them is not something that should be looked upon as a failure. And yeah, you know, especially in their home field. Although we play better on the road, I guess. Uh, still, I'm predicting a 24 to 14 uh, Dallas victory, and especially with you know all of the um, just the interchangeable, all of these players that are having to come in, and you know, Colt McCoy having to start just with very little pr- preparation now. Um, it's just not um, a really good recipe to, for success. So I certainly yeah. hope I am wrong. I will gladly eat crow if I'm wrong. I'll be the first to do it. Um, I'm kind of excited because if you look at it, it's kind of been the theme of the season. It's just mm-hmm. the next guy up and you know, yeah. we've won games with starters that have been patched in. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's the Redskins. You can expect to see anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, goal Colt McCoy. I hope you feel better, Alex Smith. That looked absolutely terrible. And um, uh, the referees from today, go F yourselves. <laughs> and, um, yeah. All right, Jack, you have a happy Thanksgiving, sir. And, uh, you know, I guess I'll talk to you. Well, I know we're probably not, not going to talk Thursday night, but um, I'm sure we'll, we'll figure something out in terms of scheduling, too. Yep. All right. All right. So um, let me finish out on this. That'll do it for us here. Hope you enjoyed the show. Appreciate anyone and all who listen, interact with us, so on and so forth. Uh, please feel free to give us a review on iTunes, which help us grow in the charts and reach more people. Again, my name is Tom Natali. You can find me on Twitter, Tom underscore Natali. Jack, you go ahead. You can find me on Twitter at Jack P. Brizenine, capital J, capital P, and capital B. Nice. And don't forget to check out dmvsportsnetwork.com. Follow them on Twitter at dmv underscore sn. If you want to join the team, contact them. And, uh, again, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, have a happy Thanksgiving to all those. HTTR, Jack, you have a good night, buddy. You too. Talk to you later, Tom. See ya.